0: Welcome to Indoctrination, a weekly conversation series about protecting yourself from systems of control. I'm your host, Rachel Bernstein. I want to encourage everyone to go to patreon.com slash indoctrination to become a supporter of the show. I can't tell you how necessary it is to be able to keep the show going and to be able to keep it available for all the people who listen and all the people who have contacted me who want to be able to share their story on future episodes. So again, please go to patreon.com slash indoctrination to become a subscriber for any monthly amount you can afford. It is so much appreciated. And I want to give a special shout out to the people who helped to support this show and are able to give $10 or more a month. To Elizabeth, Sheila, Holly, Catherine, Tammy, David, Apostababe, Donna, Jessica, Mislav, Michael, Zofia, Kathy, Audrey, Alex, Ken, Katrina, Sarah, Christina, Ludwig, Brianna, Scott, Peter and Cynthia, Linda, Jolie, Camu, Lillian, Sylvia, and Maureen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really could not do this without you. And for everyone else who lets people know about this podcast, and directs people to go to patreon.com slash indoctrination. Thank you again. Today on the show, we have a popular guest back by popular demand, actually. And it is our third conversation with Audrey Brewer. Audrey is a 30-something marketing manager living in the Carolinas after a nasty divorce and multi-level marketing hopping for a few years. She landed in a beauty-related MLM in 2016 and advanced quickly through the ranks. Her enthusiasm for the business and the team she collected along the way was not a facade, She felt like she was really making a difference in the lives of others. And she enjoyed the interaction with the women on her team. And most of all, the title that came along with each rank was kind of a dopamine rush that left her with a craving for more. This was not a religion. It was a business, one that focused on replication, positivity, attraction marketing, and a team environment. More importantly, it was a business that she chose for herself. When her faith in the MLM structure began to unravel for various reasons, she realized how entangled her life had become and how hard it would be to completely sever ties, especially because business was booming at the time. The one and a half years since have been spent making amends for her time in, quote-unquote, the business, as well as celebrating the growth that comes from adjusting when something just doesn't feel right. Here's Audrey now. So, we have Audrey Brewer back on the show by popular demand. There were a lot of listens to your shows and a lot of people, thousands actually, thousands of people listened and were really drawn in to what you were saying, what you were talking about because they either had gotten involved in something like this or they knew someone who had been, or they saw kind of based on what you said that they could be susceptible to because it was just kind of a business or a way to make money and it wouldn't have the obvious trappings of more of a kind of culty group. So we have a couple things that we want to cover today, but I wanted to give people a chance to have you hear how you introduce yourself and for people who didn't hear the first times that you were on the show. And if they haven't also, I suggest that, you know, people go back and listen. So Audrey, take it away, do a little introduction.
1: Hi, I'm Audrey. I'm I'm really humbled to be back, actually, because I was really worried that people wouldn't hear my heart in what I was trying to communicate. And I think that reflects that maybe someone did. So that, that's really wonderful. I was in an MLM for three years or so. I've been out for almost two years now. And I found it really difficult to leave said MLM. It was a mostly female beauty related company whose name is irrelevant, but I reached out to Rachel when I recognized some of the mechanisms that were happening psychologically inside of the structure of the business. And so I think the last couple episodes were really about like how the, how it functions, how, what are the mechanics of it? And then I think once you kind of understand how the mechanics work on a basic level, you really can start to see how the, some of the manipulations inside of that happen. And I actually think telling my story to you has helped me process some of those structural things. I don't know. I'm kind of also still processing some of the things that happened to me and that I was a part of, that I participated in.
0: Right. Right. And when you say that you were a part of and you participated in, for people to understand that there is this structure so that there were people, your uplines and your downlines. So there are people over you who you you were kind of, I guess, learning from or answering to, I guess, to a certain degree. And then people below you, even though they don't say it that way, but that you were kind of pulling in or keeping their enthusiasm going. And I'm, I'm wondering about some of the phrases, not that you have to say them in the exact way, if you don't want to kind of betray what the group was, if they recognize the phrases, but just some of those kinds of kind of shot in the arm, keep this going kind of phrases that people might need to watch out if they're listening to. So I'm curious about those.
1: Yeah, I have a few that pop up in my like my memories, which I delete immediately, but I make myself read them first because I think it's important that I remember what was happening here. So some of the things that I would say, like let's pretend there was a product that just came out and I really wanted to encourage my team to sell said product. Um maybe they weren't selling enough as much as I thought they should be selling that month in order for us to make our team goal. Because I could sell a lot of product no matter what, but if the team sells so much then I did not make my promotion. Got it. It was in my personal best interest to have a really awesome team and have my team on fire. And they just want to sell this product day and night because they just love it so much. So it is just my job to make sure that they really, not only that they like the product, but that they believe in the product. And if they don't, in order to teach them to believe in it, I have to believe in the product. And like, it's a product. So like, I struggle with the whole believing in a product thing right now, but that was really my mission was to make them feel an emotional connection to the product that they were selling in order for them to feel obligated almost to go out and sell said product. Mm -hmm. Like maybe not even obligated, but like excited to go out and sell this product. Like I convinced them that they're solving a problem for the world, that they're helping people around them with this product. And let's pretend this product is like shampoo. It's probably not helping the world in the way that they're trying to communicate that it is. I think they're giving a little more credit to the product than they need to in order to sell an emotional connection. So that was most of what my posts were in my team setting, were trying to pump up my girls, trying to call them out one by one and like call them out for doing amazing posts or uh you know, like just a heads up, so-and-so just hit her goal. And I just wanted to brag on her for a second, like this positive reinforcement all the time, just positive, just uplifting. And if there are no negative posts in the group, there should be questions. Right. Okay. And I thought it was great because there were no negative posts. I was like, oh, this must be a really great product because there are no negative posts. Like Mm -hmm. I was really naive in that regard. And then You know, Obviously, as I started going up in the ranks, I realized why there were no negative posts to begin with. And that's when I kind of started questioning things.
0: Right. I mean, I I think everyone needs to be able to really look at that. If they're checking out anything, could be a restaurant, could be anything. You want to look at the fact that if, if there isn't anything negative and then find that suspicious because they're keeping people from posting their negative things or taking them off which is certainly having people get a skewed view. I know on, it's interesting, on my professional page on Facebook, I have, I don't know what it is. It's like a three out of five star rating. And I keep it there because I like to explain why that is. I had done a podcast interview with someone who had been raised in South Africa, who was talking about kind of nationwide indoctrination. And there were people who didn't like that I was covering that. So they went onto my professional page. I've never met these people and they never work with me and they rated me as a therapist with, you know, one star, two stars. So it it adjusted the stars, the numbers there and it is what it is, but it was like someone trying to get back at me. But I think in these situations you want to be able to really see how you're being kept from information. I mean, I use that as a way to kind of teach how sometimes people don't like what you're saying and they see it as a personal attack. So they need to attack you back uh, without you ever having met them. Okay. So people need to believe in these products, right? And then they're going to be enthusiastic and they're going to present it like it's going to change people's lives. And so how would you convey that, that this was the best shampoo let's say keeping with your you know your idea of what product you were selling
1: i really did try to at least get as much information about the actual product let's say the ingredients of the shampoo um or you know um if they have if if they claim that this shampoo can do something specific i always tried to follow up on okay were there like actual studies done on that or are they just saying that kind of stuff but I also know how I'm in marketing by trade, by day. I'm in marketing. So I know how powerful language can be and the manipulation of language can be. And basically, in MLMs, we taught our teams how to say things without saying things. So this is an example that is not real at all. But let's say the shampoo, let's go with the shampoo idea. And let's say the shampoo claims it can cure your dandruff. Okay. Lots of MLMs run into issues with their team saying things that aren't necessarily true or, or using words like cure or a lot of the um, essential oil MLMs have had big lawsuits, public lawsuits, like big news, not secret about using words like it can cure acne mm-hmm. or like these are medical terms and medical diagnoses and people like me and you who might buy a kit of essential oils aren't, I'm personally not qualified to cure anyone's acne. Like I can barely cure my own acne. And so like, I like right. don't have any qualifications to advise you on your skincare regimen in that way, in such a specific medical way. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: MLMs of all kinds, not just essential oil MLMs, beauty MLMs, nail MLMs, like they go on and on, especially like health MLMs for like smoothies and exercise and Diet regimens and right. right. there's melon for everything. It's really most, most people who are selling these products on Facebook are not qualified to really speak to certain clinical medical things. Right. Right. Okay. So how would you say it? If you're not feeling so confident about your skin these days, we can help. I have an answer for you that won't break the bank, but that will help you put your best face forward just Uh like off the top of my head, that's just some some total bullshit. But like, if you understand how language is used in these situations, it's important because you can read between the lines. And right now it's important because people are out of work and Mm -hmm. it's coronavirus time and people are really vulnerable right now. Mm -hmm. And people want a quick hundred dollar way to become a millionaire in Mm -hmm. the time of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And people are I've seen it. I've seen it on my own page. People are really out there recruiting for these businesses, and it mm-hmm. scares me for people who are desperate and who are in really, really terrible situations. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I could make money. Cool. And then they're in this rabbit hole. Yeah. It doesn't work. They feel even worse about themselves in a time where we all need to preserve our each other, truly.
0: Right. So okay. I
1: think, I think that's one of the reasons the language that we use keeps people yeah. in. Keeps It keeps people feeling emotional about things. And when you feel an emotional connection, Mm -hmm. high or low, regardless, you know, that thing's kind of got your attention.
0: Right. So that idea of of using that expression, uh, putting your best face forward, I mean, that's really clever, right? Uh, And it seems like then people are going to fill in the blanks. They're going to assume what you mean. And well, they're also going to hear what they want to hear. And not necessarily what you said, they're also not going to be hearing what you didn't say, which is the most important part. And I tell people, you know, yeah, you want to listen to the content of when someone's trying to sell you something, but you also want to hear what they haven't said, which is the absolutes or that there's clinical studies on this or do your own research and come back to us and see what you think. Okay, so then they're careful not to say things like cure because that's quantifiable, that's provable, tangible. So they kind of keep it in the general kind of magic of it without talking about what can actually happen or not.
1: And it's the same reason they don't tell you about what, what income you can make. They won't promise you, it's called income promising. They will not promise you how much you can make in these businesses. And they always say, you get out what you put in. Mm -hmm. so you're like cool infinite opportunity i can just work work and i'm gonna make bank and that's not how this Mm -hmm. works so they use it in that in that capacity too just not i can't tell you how much you're gonna make but i can tell you you're gonna be able to live the life of your dreams
0: oh got it okay right and so it's interesting because live the life of your dreams it could also be a nightmare uh that's a kind of dream Okay. So very interesting. All right. So two things that I want to make sure to cover, and there are other things I'm sure we can cover, but one is that people who were responding to what you had said previously here on the show, um, they said that they had gotten drawn in and found almost like they were in this trance-like state. Suddenly they found themselves buying products that they didn't think they were going to buy. They found themselves spending money That they really didn't have in order to kind of be in that kind of the wishful thinking of receiving back so much more for their investment. And so there is this kind of losing yourself in it that people were very curious about because that hadn't happened to them in other environments. So, what is it about it that kind of takes people suddenly on this ride where it becomes a kind of a runaway train and they? have to actually distance themselves from it to break free of the trance. And then why are people so nervous about talking about this? Because there were people who had contacted me saying, you know, Audrey is so brave. That's a word that came up a lot. And I thought it shouldn't take bravery just to talk about what happened to you, but it does. A lot of people said, I want to talk about my experiences, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the attacks I'm going to get. I'm afraid that it's not going to be safe for me. So those two things, I think the hypnosis and also the fear afterwards about telling your story. So go for it.
1: Okay, let's say I'm joining a religious organization. I'm going to expect to have an emotional experience. Like mm-hmm. I'm probably, even if I don't know anything about this religious organization, I'm going in for the first time with a really open, you know, emotional perspective. Okay. okay. This was a business. So people didn't go in expecting this emotional thing, and I think if you go into a, a religious experience, or you know, even not a religious experience, but like a cause, like maybe a nonprofit cause, like you go in mm-hmm. knowing that you're about to mm-hmm. connect on an emotional level with whatever you're experiencing, but you don't go into a business and expect to have that emotional experience. So let's say you buy your your kit or whatever, and you join, and from the second you join, you join. And I can only speak for my group, but the second someone joined, I would send them three Facebook groups they needed to join. And people posted in these Facebook groups all day long, all day long. And so on their newsfeed all day, there were posts about this specific product all day, just various posts. And sometimes they were like, so-and-so is doing a good job. And so-and-so is doing this. And this new product is great. And here's why I love this. And oh my God, I love this new color or whatever. And because people weren't as guarded as they might have needed to be because they didn't expect to need to be guarded for a business setting. Then they come into this environment that's very hype and emotional and exciting and uplifting and everyone is so happy and loves each other. And this is the best. And like, I say it like that because like, these are things I said, and it like, it's crazy to me a little bit how, Emotionally involved, someone can get when everyone around them is doing that thing. But like crowd hype, what is that called? Uh, group think kind of that has a negative connotation. That's not what I mean. But like when you're in a group of people and there's an energy, you're kind of going to get that energy. Like,
0: right. It's like this fervor, and that uh, there's an intensity, release of adrenaline. There is a high, and that you kind of whipped up into a frenzy. So is that like what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, and it kind of never stops. That's actually maybe not true. So they take you on this emotional roller coaster. Okay, so you start the first of the month. Everyone starts at zero sales, but then immediately they release a new product on the first of the month. So boom, hype, you can start the month. And then uh, you got to pep up your team and sell the product to your team. And then they're going to pep up their teams and sell the product to their teams. And by the fifth of the month, you might have so many sales and you can like, look how great we're doing. And then we push it some more and we're like, I bet we can't get it to so-and-so who's going to hit elite by this date. Like, it's always just like a, like a, what can we do now? Keep on going, which is bananas to me because in real life, mm-hmm. I do not have this energy. Like, this is not who I am in real. Life. And it's funny because if anyone who knows me is listening, they are laughing because like, mm-hmm. I am about as deadpan and dry and opinionated and like, no fluff as it comes but then I got into this zone and in this business and like I liked seeing my numbers go up and I liked seeing my team's numbers go up and I liked seeing my paycheck and um that backfired but like the whole paycheck portion (laughs) backfired a bit but uh as it does frequently in these businesses but um yeah the height the height the experience the 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 community that you built suddenly takes over your timeline online. You're following all of these people that are doing the exact same thing you are and you're mimicking them, you're mimicking each other and your customers are mimicking each other. And uh, you're encouraging your team and you're becoming really close with your team. And you're talking to your sponsor every day, twice Mm -hmm. a day, three times Mm -hmm. a day, every hour, like depending on how in it you are. But if you're in the kind of like, Zombie eye phase where you're just like everything is wonderful, you don't see the red flags as much. And I don't know if I've told you this phrase that when you have rose colored glasses on, red flags just look like flags.
0: That's so good.
1: Somebody said that to me, and I was like, absolved instantly because I'm like, I really did. I had rose colored glasses on, and there were all these red flags, and I just thought they were really exciting flags. And that's what happens. And then you have events. Oh, oh, and then the events. Oh, man. The events, the, the pomp, just the presentation and everything is a, like, you would think we were at Mardi Gras, like everything was just exciting everywhere and big emotional highs um, and big emotional lows where they talk about something touching and then they bring you back up with a band and then they give out awards and then they talk about something emotional. And so it's just like always like this, right? Oh yeah. But then you get out, and you're like, "Oh wait, that wasn't that wasn't normal. That that constant up and down, like that wasn't not maybe not normal is not a good word, but necessary." And then there's nothing there, and then you feel like you're lacking something, and what you're lacking is chaos. But it feels like chaos to you afterwards. That changeover when you leave is really culture shock.
0: Right. Okay. So going back to this idea of the highs and the lows. That's very common when people want to take you on this ride. They want to see also uh, what's going to work. For some people, it's the high. Some people, it's the low because you, you feel like you're connecting with people. You feel like you've shared something that's really meaningful and the people were there for you. Even if all of this was manufactured, these aren't people who would necessarily have been your friends or that you would have shared that with if it hadn't been set up this way. But yeah, I think what that also does is this sort of sets up this intermittent gratification of the low and then you're waiting for the high because then it feels really good because you came from this low place. And so it exaggerates the highs. Um, and so that's really fascinating. So you were saying the music and did people also give testimonials? That's often part of it.
1: Okay, so I was raised evangelical. So people giving testimonies is hilarious to me because like that's something that, <laughs> that happened Mm -hmm. at church when they were talking about like their experience with the Lord and what the Lord had done for them and Mm -hmm. there are these very like heart pouring out things about what the Lord had done for them. And like then you go to a convention and these people are giving testimonies about what this shampoo we'll keep that we'll just go with that for the rest. That works what this shampoo has done for their lives. And I remember sitting there like those things seem very um those two experiences in my life seem very far apart. Like that doesn't seem like it would be quite on the same level. And yet here it's being presented on this same level of giving a testimony. And maybe that hit me funny just because of my upbringing. And I'm also always dealing with that because Mm -hmm. that stays with you uh, no matter what, but Mm -hmm. um, the emotional aspect of how people would get on stage and they would talk about like this, this, product, the shampoo helped me send my daughter to college. And I never thought I'd be able to own my own home. And I like, I have been given this opportunity and I never thought someone would see something in me, but my sponsor saw that in me and she gave me that. And the language that they use up there is, is intentional. They know what these people are going to say before they go up there. They're not just going up there and like speaking from their heart. That's not this. It's very scripted. They know exactly what they're going to say. And even if the person did write it, which most of the time I believe is true, they've heard it. So they know exactly the words that are going to be used. Mm -hmm. And that's a safety net for them. But also there's purpose in what they're doing. And I think it's important to ask yourself in these settings, like say you want to stay in an MLM. Okay, cool. Be in that setting, but ask yourself critically, like, what is the motivation behind what this person is saying? What are they wanting me to do? like what action are they hoping I'll take with this information and how can that benefit them directly? Yeah. And if it doesn't, you're fine with that, then great. Ask yourself these critical questions because people will tell you, people who are concerned will tell you to do that. And mm-hmm. you'll feel like an attack when you're in it. You feel like people who are being like, think critically, think for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a downput, you know, like, it, it's like, what do you mean? I am thinking for myself, mm-hmm. you know, that pushes them away, but like, these are the times we got to think really critically about what we're seeing and hearing around us. And this is, this time is critical. I feel really strongly about that right now.
0: I agree with you. And I'm also wondering about people giving testimony. You're right. I think people learn the pattern. They learn what the expectation is. They learn how they're supposed to have this motivational part in it. Probably they're supposed to have this personal disclosure Uh, they're supposed to talk in these lofty terms. So it sounds like, and this is probably why you were hearing this juxtaposition in your mind, that, you know, taking out the word God and putting in shampoo, it's like Mad Libs, like, you know, you just find a different noun. And so right with that same intensity, like, you know, God sent my kid to college, no, actually shampoo did. And so I'm sure in your ear, you're thinking, okay, this this sounds a little overblown for what they're talking about.
1: It's shampoo. Right. <laughs> that was my brain it was like, it's shampoo.
0: But I wonder also with the people up there doing their thing, giving their testimony, how much of it was to secure their place in this group to be seen as a good fill in the blank, you know, like to get the, the credit or the positive feedback for how well they presented what they presented.
1: I think people who were acknowledged by corporate in any way, so whether it was participating in that kind of way or walking across the stage when you hit a certain level in the business, any kind of acknowledgement from corporate, I think really strengthens that resolve that, that relationship, Mm -hmm. but also I think it makes their teams, how do I phrase this? it makes them look legitimate in the eyes of their teammates so that their teams will want to work even harder. So like me as a leader, I wanted to be the best leader with the best ideas, with the best, whatever I wanted to be with the the most visible that I could. And then when corporate's like, Hey, check out what Audrey's doing. My team's like, Holy shit. We got like, we're in this team with her. Like, yay, we're in this team with her. Like we're legit and Mm -hmm. we can do this. And it, elevates the team dynamic which elevates sales which elevates your dynamics which elevates your status which I mean literally elevates your status and it's very top down so if you've made it to be acknowledged by corporate you at the top of your game right now and your team is probably gonna benefit from that that's how I would have seen it had I been asked to be on stage to say something. I'd have been like, "Hell, yeah, my team's about to see this."
0: Okay. It's so
1: interesting. That's so selfish and nasty, but I know a lot of people are shaking their heads like, "Yep."
0: Well, you learn in that system what's going to work. And then sometimes it means being uh not necessarily on point but exaggerating and being more enthusiastic and giving this organization credit maybe for things that it shouldn't get because then you are doing what you're doing, you're solidifying your place and you're helping your team and, and, and. I know we talked a little bit during one of our conversations about how you were feeling responsible for the people in your team, of course, and that it kind of plays on people's conscience to do the right thing and to not abandon ship because you're gonna be letting all these other people down. And so what happens when you notice someone faltering or what happened to you when you seem to kind of lose some, some momentum, because that's the other thing that I think people don't realize that they're being still, they're still on the hook and they're being pulled in. So what did you use to get people back up motivated and what was used on you?
1: So I think it's important for people who are not in MLMs to know that when I have a team, I'm going to say underneath me. That's just the terminology we use. When I have people who are on my team, I can go into my back office and see how much they've sold. So I can actually pull up like a tree, like almost like a, a family tree kind of, and yeah. see who's got what sales and maybe who's hit what milestones, or if there's a goal for the month, like how far along they are for mm-hmm. that goal. And each MLM has their own software, but every MLM has this capability that I have experienced. Interesting. And I, or like talk to people about, they all can like really just click on this tree and see how much has been sold. So let's say that I see someone maybe hasn't sold anything or very little that month. And usually they're doing great. And I'm like, Hmm, what's going on? And I start talking to that person. And they're like, you know, it's just really taking a lot of time. I didn't expect it would take this much time. Like my husband's really frustrated. This is something I heard a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's just
1: like no one's buying. And like, I just don't feel like my husband's really irritated, and I feel like I'm spending a lot of time doing this, and uh, I don't feel like arguing with him about it, and uh, like these legitimate, very legitimate things that are yeah. affecting family dynamics and people's mm-hmm. you know emotions and sense of self-worth. like when you put yourself out there and no one buys from you, like that's a really awful feeling. But like, let's say you know, this person's just tired and they're kind of starting to see some of the things like I did and they start to fall through, I would immediately count them out of my plan for the next month. I'd be like, I know for sure. I'm not going to have that leg. Like just from a business perspective, that would be the first thing I did was like, all right, I need to plan for next month as if that person's not selling anything. Okay. So Mm -hmm. me being a business minded person as real shitty, but like that would be the first place my brain would go. And then I would spend the next little bit trying to allay their fears of like, uh, whatever's going on, finding ways to, to make it work so that they'll stay, even if they need to kind of modify. So maybe I, you know, maybe I have some of those sales from them still, but maybe they're still feeling okay. And eventually like, I would talk to that person as if I'm like, you know what, you come first. Like every family is always first. Your family comes first. Your, your marriage comes first. Like this is not, this is just shampoo, whatever. In reality, my motives behind saying that were so that she'd be like, oh, she sees me as a person. I guess I can keep going. And like, God, I hate admitting this on like radio, but uh, like, I know that it happens. I know I'm not the only one. I know that it happens mm-hmm. in every business on every team. And so I know this is a familiar mindset. And I hope that if people are doing this to people, maybe they hear a little bit of themselves and what I just said, yeah. and are, maybe think twice about it because that's such a manipulative. Tactic that I used on these people who were really having legitimate life experiences that they needed help sorting through. And I swooped in at that moment to try to make sure I could still make my status the next month. And this is kind of when I started. I was making money when I left. So, like, a lot of people leave when things are not, people aren't selling or people aren't buying from them. They leave, they're like, whatever, forget it. I left when I was doing really well. Like, I was really not far from my next promotion. And I had to really say like enough and cold turkey, quit the business and delete every bookmark in my timeline and leave every Facebook group I was a part of. And I disappeared for months and didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And the disappearing was necessary because you're so deeply in it that you can't just decide not to be in it anymore because your entire life revolves around it. And so now you have to create a new life for yourself or fill that void or fight it every day, which is not productive. I would not recommend that. Like just leave the Facebook groups, just do it, just mm-hmm. do it. Um, But you're so involved and you've been so emotionally attached to this business, to these people, to the shampoo, to your customers, to your whatever. Mm-hmm. And you shared really emotional things with your team, probably like in my, in my case, they knew how much my boyfriend at the time um, hated my business. They knew that. And I shared that with them. They knew that my best friend had never purchased a single product from me. And she now sells another MLM brand that would be a direct competitor of the brand I sold. Fun fact. I won't buy any MLM products. And uh, I mean, she kind of knows why she stopped asking, but like, I still feel that need to like protect her feelings when I say like, yeah. no, thank you. But like, I know what you're doing and I, 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 I want to support you, but I cannot in this way. I cannot support you in this way. Yeah. Um, right. But like I share these really emotional specific things with my team and then I leave and I'm scared that they're going to use those things against me. Should I speak out?
0: Oh.
1: And so that's part of what people mean when they say they're scared is they've shared really emotional experiences with these people. Maybe while they were in, we'll say they were in a trance, which it's not literal, but like when they were kind of really in it and it was going and they've shared these emotional, really emotional experiences. And when you're trying to reach a common goal and you're working really hard towards something in a group setting, and let's say you get to that goal and you're celebrating, it's almost like a post-war comrade experience. Like we mm. survived that together. Yeah. Like, it's shampoo. We survived that together, <laughs> you know, like language is important. And yeah, like that would be kind of the vibe is that we, we got through it together and we're bonded for life. And now we're even closer as a team. And so like, sometimes a really bad month can bring your team together all in how you paint the picture.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think when there's this intensity and people are sharing personal things, and they're working really hard, and they're up all hours, uh, they do have this feeling like they've been in the trenches together. And it does bond people. Uh, and again, it's a manufactured thing by the company to have that. I want to be able to go back to what you were saying about you know, feeling guilty about even saying these things or having it be used against you. What happens so often in these groups, and this is why I think it's good for people to avoid them for a lot of reasons, but also for this reason, that people leave feeling bad about themselves. They feel like they trusted the wrong thing or they didn't respond to the red flags because they didn't see them as red flags, but just as flags. I love that quote. And whoever said it, please come forward. We'd love to give you credit. But I also think that people said outside of this group, I wouldn't have done these things. There was something about the way it was run, something about the pressure I was under, something about how I was given permission or encouragement to say these kinds of things and do these kinds of things, or it was for my own survival. And I I think when you realize that, you know, in your day-to-day life, you wouldn't encourage someone to sort of give over their paycheck if they really couldn't afford whatever else. But there was something about that, you know, each group that is sort of more cult-like has its own social norms and what's okay and what's not okay. And it doesn't usually match society at large. And so people come out feeling like they really have done something wrong and they feel bad about themselves. And I think it's important for people to know that they were caught on this kind of hamster wheel that had its own mm, kind of value system and uh, all of it that doesn't really necessarily match your wiring. A lot of people who are drug reps for big pharma talk about that and they feel horrible about what they were encouraged to say and do uh, or felt like they had to. And so going just as we finish up, I want to talk more about the fear. So some of the fear is feeling like you kind of betrayed your own conscience, and then needing to say that out loud, which is very hard, uh, but very brave, going back to the word brave. And I really appreciate you being open about that. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. And then what else makes people afraid?
1: Uh, I talked about this a little bit last time. The The legal side of it is pretty, is pretty obvious. Like we sign no matter what MLM you join, you will sign an agreement that says like, here are the things you can and cannot do here for legal reasons. Here are the things you can say. And you can't say here are the things that you'll need to take care of taxes, et cetera. Here's what we're responsible for. It's a contract. So you sign it. It's a legal contract. Um, And it's a, it's very uh, jargony, legal jargony. So if you're a normal person who's buying a kit, because they need to turn their water back on as fast as possible and they need to make some money quick for their family because they have school uniforms to buy. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't take the time to read that, or maybe that's out of the language is out of your wheelhouse. Like, I don't know half of what those things say. Sometimes, you know. Um, so, so the legal aspect and the fear of not knowing what's worth it for them to come after you for kind of thing—it's um, mm-hmm. a gamble that most people aren't willing to take. But once you step past the legal side of it, you formed really serious relationships with these people and depending on how long you've been in they might be your only group of friends Mm -hmm. and I think when you leave and you if you say something you're immediately seen as going directly against your friends like their being not their business not their you know the model by which their business was built like it's very personal Mm -hmm. and um, you don't, uh, for me, I really didn't want to hurt anyone more than I had already hurt people. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I didn't know quite, um, for a little while, I didn't know quite how to get out without hurting more people in turn, being really quiet, hurt me a lot. And I would encourage people when they do speak out to speak in a way that says, this was my experience, mm-hmm. not these people did this. I think more people are receptive to that and and people who need to hear it um will be defensive. Right. But also the MLM world is vicious. My team, I would have told them not to respond at all, at all, to anything negative about MLMs because it's just not worth the argument. But there are some people who really will just, uh, I mean, attack, attack, attack for for saying this. That was one of my fears of coming on talking about this with you, was that somebody who was in my business would be like, oh, but what about that time when you said these things? And I would just have to be like, you're right. And that sucks when people throw things back in your face. And I think that's a big fear. Um, I think the fear of looking like you were a hypocrite um, or that you were lying.
0: Right, right.
1: But also, I remember the first time I went to a shampoo store in real life that sold other products that were shampoo-like. And I I remember standing, this was not long ago. This was like maybe four months ago. I remember standing in this Store and being totally overwhelmed, like it was an emotional overwhelm experience because I was like, I still feel like I'm cheating on that product. Kind of, there was a moment where it was like, I'm allowed to buy this now. I'm like, I'm 33 years old, I don't need taxes, I can buy whatever shampoo I want, like whatever. But,
0: Mm -hmm. right, I mean, that speaks so much to what you were saying at the beginning about that making it personal, that it's a meaningful thing, and that then you're betraying this, like it's a boyfriend or, you know, uh, or a family member, like a family member,
1: right. Betraying my family. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I know we need to finish up, but I, I really respect you sharing your story, especially after what you were just saying about that communities within these organizations can be vicious and take things out on you or do personal attacks. So it it shouldn't be that way. And I think I want people to be able to be free from things like that, where they don't have to worry that it's just a business and it should just be a business. And if you're tired of it, you get tired of it and you can leave without having to worry about all of this. And so thank you. And I, of course, wish you well. And I'll let you know. I mean, a lot of people responded to when you were talking before. So we'll see if there are more questions and more responses, I'll be in touch.
1: Yeah, I could talk about this all day. And I think it's really important right now that we do it.
0: Thank you, Audrey, so much. One more thing before you go. One of the things that I get asked a lot from people who have found themselves in situations that they never thought they'd find themselves in after they had given it a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of devotions. How did it happen to me? How come I quote unquote, let that happen to me. Why did I not pick up on the signs of manipulation? And One of the things that I've talked about on this podcast a few times is to notice what someone is not telling you in equal measure to the things they are telling you. Notice what's missing. Notice what question you ask that does not get answered or just gets redirected back onto you. Notice that and see it as suspicious because it is. It's a deflection. Audrey shared how during the time that she was a multi-level marketer, she taught her team, quote, how to say things without saying things, unquote. So what does that mean, to say things without saying things? We talked about it a little during our conversation, but I want to expand on this. If you go onto almost any website that's for someone who calls himself or herself a healer, or an intuitive, a spiritualist, uh, whatever, an energy coach, you might find that there are very concrete and worthy and principled descriptions of the work they want to be able to do for you, and what they want to be able to help you accomplish, but chances are you'll come across a word salad, and you'll have to spend a lot of time reading and might actually find that you have no more information by the time you're done reading lots of wordiness. You will see a lot of skillful wording and dramatic wording and great photos usually and it's all seeming very important and special and kind of sexy. And You'll find also that the person who is providing these services hasn't given any of their credentials because they might not have credentials. But you want to be able to ask yourself after reading through everything, what do I know now that I didn't know before? What question got answered that I had at the beginning? And if the answer is nothing and nothing, then it's time to move on. And so you want to be able to see, how do I know that I'm receiving what they say they're going to be giving me? How will I be able to measure that? What are the steps involved? What are the measurable outcomes? What's done? And again, What are the credentials of the person who's offering these services? What's also true is that if you go onto websites for people who teach sales, especially who advise multi-level marketing systems, and there's a whole group of people whose job it is to advise MLMs on their systems of sales, you'll also see the art of saying things without saying things but making sure that you change the subject enough to make the other person feel cornered. When you read through some of these websites, you get a sense of the shamelessness of it. Just shameless is the word that kept coming into my mind over and over again. While I think people in these systems do have other people's best interests in mind at times, and I think Audrey did, I think sometimes... They're also convincing themselves to a certain degree that they're helping themselves and others reach their goals. And what you see, though, from people on the outside who are guiding these MLMs and other people who do sales is that they have very well-honed tricks of the trade. And again, I find them all shameless. It's actually hard to read through some of these websites that have these sales guidelines and ideas without feeling like you need to take a shower afterwards. It just, you felt mm, like you had just jumped into a sewer. And I'll tell you what I mean. So on one of the sites, the main goal is to not give the potential recruit or buyer any proof Any facts, but that you make them feel there's only one right answer and you give them a false sense, that you're offering kind of value and virtue and it's not about money, and that you're not going to be solving their financial issues, but you're going to be solving their emotional issues. And that's the only way through this business, I guess that they can get these emotional issues solved. On this site, it also talks about giving the person a sense and making them feel that they're backed into a corner. And you want them, as it says on this site, to feel that there's no way out but to sign on the dotted line. Dialogues are pre-planned. And any response is already thought out. And there's a very condescending and demeaning and superior kind of script that's been crafted to make the person feel like an utter idiot or failure who's disappointing their own lives, but also disappointing you and wasting your time if they don't sign up. It's all in the art of getting people to say yes. When you want to influence people in this way, you don't talk about selling anything to them or recruiting them. You just talk, again, about the value of your message, that it's a life lesson, that you want to help motivate them to be doers, to be people who can make their lives better so they can conquer their issues, so that they're no longer a victim. And that this business opportunity you're giving them is not something that's going to help you in any way. And that's not your focus. It's to help make them money in order for them to solve their own problems. But as it talks about in yet another website, in order for you to know what their problems are, you have to find out. So you are taught to saddle up to them as though you are sudden friends. And you have them share the thing they feel the most insecure about, the thing they're the most worried about, the thing they're most disappointed about. And then it says, find yourself in a conversation with someone who then will be open to sharing personal information just because you asked for it. You will then lower their defenses and You can then push them into making a commitment. I say you can do it in under 15 minutes. Hmm, it's all a game. There's a marketing formula where it it also appears on so many of these websites. For people to teach others these sort of sales techniques to get these prospects through the use of a lot of smug statements... So keep in mind that while the person crafting this conversation is to make you say yes, it's also to make you feel that you're making the biggest mistake of your life by not saying yes. So let's talk about this being the biggest mistake of your life by not saying yes. The Federal Trade Commission came out with a study that said that 99% of those who are recruited in this way, into these organizations, do not make money. And in another study, the top 1% of a very well-known multi-level marketing company, well, it said that they lose about $1,000 a year after they buy the products to sell. So if the top 1% is losing $1,000 a year, you can only imagine What the other 99% lose. And on another site about how to do hard sells and hard selling, there is a quote that says, take off the gloves and knock them out. Take off the gloves and knock them out by binding them. And if they're saying no, don't believe them. Don't listen. They're just stalling. They're wasting your time. Don't let them waste your time. Take control of the conversation. Take control of them. Wow. And then it goes on to say, overwhelm them. Overwhelm them with the need for them to clarify their own concerns and their doubts and their own wording. So if they say, oh, I know about this, it's a multi-level marketing scheme, then say, well, define what a multi-level marketing scheme is and how it works. And then if they say that they know that only people at the top make money, help them define what it means to make money and what kind of money they're talking about. And also what it means to be at the top of something. And then you just get them into this spiral of needing to define what they said. And then, if you can't make them commit, tell them that they are stalling. And then, there's more. If somebody says, you know what, I think I know about these things, these are called pyramid schemes, then you're supposed to say to them, according to this site, that They need to be able to define what a pyramid scheme is. And don't they know that the pyramids have been around for thousands of years and have lasted for thousands of years, which I thought was entertaining if it wasn't so awful. And then to have them be convinced that all corporate entities are pyramid schemes. That's actually not true. And then it says, when you make statements like that, that they can't necessarily prove, this will give you time to get more information from them as they are evaluating if what you said is true. Anything that delays them walking away will help you make the sale. Are you nauseous yet? I was. So, then if they say they don't have the time for this, you can say you don't have the time to get healthy, you don't have the time to be happy, You don't have the time to make money. You don't have the time to help other people become healthy, happy, wealthy, whatever it is. And then you ask them to account for every minute of every day so you can show them how in fact they do have the time. And then you tell them how much your time is valuable and you don't want it wasted anymore. There's something called the convincer strategy and it just goes on and on and you can look it up yourself and it really, I could go on for hours and I won't. But really basically the idea is to make a person feel that they would be crazy for saying no. And so then, if you find yourself telling somebody no and then say no again, and then say no, no thank you, thinking that will work, and then tell them to please stop and to please leave you alone, or you hang up and they call you back. And then you find yourself just continuing on and on to say no and not now or whatever will get them to stop, and they are relentless. It's because they're enjoying the hunt and they're hoping to make a kill but you never want to be somebody else's prey. It reminds me of a phrase I remember telling people who were assaulted, sexually assaulted, by partners, and it unfortunately applies here too because I see so many of these kinds of skillful manipulations being used to render people powerless. And the phrase is, If they don't listen to your no, then they do not deserve your yes. Talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening. Tired of ads? Well, listen or download this show for free on NPR's radio public app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please support Indoctrination at patreon.com slash indoctrination. We have over 100 interviews that you can access with any donation. Subscribers receive bonus interviews and other cool goodies. And we love hearing from you too. So send us an email at indoctrinationshow at gmail.com. Thank you for your support.